celebrate life and talk about death. For my next guest, Sybil Arman, co-founder of Flexible Films, chatting about life and exploring the highs and lows, is about making films to have a positive impact. Sybil has worked with the NHS, MIND, local authorities and organisations such as the Death Cafe. We chat about death, mental health and the value of conversations that Sybil likes to bring to life in her filmmaking. Let's find out more. So, Sybil, welcome to Tea Time with me, Ali Monjak. How are you? Well, I'm not doing too bad. As I said, I just did have my jab on Monday, but um, I'm feeling a little bit better now. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, there have been reports of side effects, you know, a few side effects, but generally it sort of dies down, doesn't it, within 24? Yeah. I'm feeling better now. Good. I am I am feeling better now. So, yeah. Um, um, I'm proud to have it, I would imagine, as well. I'm glad, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not taken that long, actually, has it, to get to my age group. I'm 54, so... I'm, oh, I, still a baby. I'm, <laughs> I'm 54 so I expect I'm one of the lucky ones who've got it earlier so I am grateful oh no that that is brilliant so I mean it's been a funny old time hasn't it really for all of us you know sort of living in lockdown and you're very much I mean a, a film company really aren't you so um how have you found it all really Sybil um obviously mixed <laughs> up and down and waves and roundabouts um but all in all um I must say I um I think I've actually benefited from it I I know it's a it's quite a uh um a brave thing to say maybe but um I feel that actually I've got to know myself a bit more and I really think that perhaps one of the biggest relationships that we have is with ourselves. And if we can get to know ourselves more, then I think we can live a lot better. And um, yeah, I actually, I actually do, I'm 54, as I said, but I, you know, I've still got a lot to learn, obviously. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I have achieved in the last year has been to, to look more inwards actually. And, um, and yeah, I think it's benefited me. Good. No, that that is good because you know, I, up until now, really, none of us have really had a great deal of time to spend to, with ourselves, have we? You know, in terms of it, it's just um, I, I noticed on social media somebody I know in a, a charity who runs a charity was saying, "Oh, you know, goodness, it, it, I've learned so much this whole pandemic, and one of the biggest lessons I've learned." is to slow down because pre-pandemic, I was running around like a lunatic, left, right and centre doing stuff. Yeah, I can't say I've slowed down though, actually. I think I think getting to know myself has been a mixture of, um, you know, having a bit of quiet time, but I think in some ways the getting to know myself has actually been, um, been collaborating with different people and doing different types of work a lot most of it has been voluntary uh, um, and actually that's been quite nice too but I've uh, I've just um, I've given myself the opportunity to do different things um, but I don't know if I've slowed down if I'm honest ah well there you go then so 
I mean, just uh, let's wind back pre-pandemic. How did you start Vexable Films? So that was a long time ago. It was in 2002. Um, myself and my partner, Russ, um, we were both, uh, I'd finished an MA in documentary filmmaking and he'd finished an MA in um, in film and television. And we both had this ambition of starting a film company. Um, and we were very lucky because in 2002, it was actually possible just about because um, I, I, I'm at the level and age where when I was studying at university, we were still doing things in analog. So it meant that we literally were cutting, you know, um, in a linear way, editing with two tapes sort of thing. But by 2002, 2000, probably 2000, um, more digital um, tapes came in. And so it meant that we could actually do everything ourselves. So we could do the filming and the editing and learn, you know, we had a lot to learn, but it just meant that it was possible. So in 2002, we set about with our own, with our own idea to set up a film company. Um, we were really lucky actually, because we were living in Plasto at the time in East London, and it was a time of a regeneration in the estate that I was living in. And um, the people, um, the Newham Council people who were um, dealing with us um, found out that we made films, we were starting out, and they asked us to make a film for them. So that was our first ever commission from our own housing estate. How lucky is that, you know? Um, and um, that led to loads of films, actually. We ended up having loads of commissions from Newham Council and did probably about more than 15 films for them over the next, the course of the next like three or four years. Um, and, then, um, and then we had lots more opportunities, but my interest is in uh, mental health. And um, so, we worked a lot with mental health media when they were around and did lots of films for them. And, um, and yeah, and then um, our niche is actually health and social care because my passion is to um, help people. I think film is a really good tool, as you know, it's a really good tool for people having a voice. And so my, one of my mission and passion was to help people who didn't have much of a voice to be able to, you know, have one on film. I mean that 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 is fantastic and I, I mean you know look at all the good that you've done because as you said you know when you can you're able to sort of give somebody um you know the 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 power of their voice I think really is that is the word isn't it and I mean you've done that you've you've done projects for the NHS haven't you where you've highlighted issues I mean how do you see that at the moment actually Sybil because you know I mean we we've been living through this pandemic I mean they have been stretched mm. beyond oblivion so you know you've got definite issues with frontline workers and the amount of work that they've had to take on and their own mental health issues and then mm. you've got everybody else I mean the wider public that all falls under the use of the NHS with mental health issues as well because you know this has not been an easy time for anybody really has it not at all and um i don't know if you're aware but there's a there's um there's a big campaign called time to change have you heard of it yeah. um 
um, it's quite a big campaign. We 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 did a lot of films for Time to Change at the beginning of their um, when they started out, um, and they've been around for fifteen years. But very sadly, tomorrow is their last day. They're actually closing up, um, obviously because of lack of funding. Um, and I find that quite quite hard to hear, really, because now actually is the time when we do need to talk more about mental health. And I know that Time to Change has been really active in, um, in reducing stigma in mental health. So more people are able to talk openly and say that they have got issues, I think. Um, but there's still loads and loads of more work to be done, I think. Um, so, yeah, it comes... We've all got issues, though, haven't we? All of us, you know, we're all prone to, you know, well, it, it's yeah. almost like th this whole pandemic has been a little bit like um, a social experiment, you know, but instead of, you know, <laughs> an isolation experiment, hasn't it, really? Yeah, in a way it has, hasn't it? I mean, for, I mean that's, that's for some of us as well, isn't it? Like you say, a lot of frontline workers, a lot of retailer uh, workers um, are still out there working, aren't they? So I suppose, but for, for the majority of us, um, the isolation in some, some people have been um, beneficial and others have been really hard. And others, you know, coming out of lockdown with the lockdown easing has got like different issues as well. Some people are quite nervous about that, too. Um, but obviously, I can't talk for everyone. But I do know that um, I do know that the discussion about mental health and and just being a bit more open about how we feel, I think, is vital. And, you know, I think that definitely needs to continue. So what would you say in the last 12 months? I mean, you've done some amazing projects, you know, sort of around International Women's Day. You were looking at inspirational women, weren't you? So, you know, yeah. you've done quite a few projects. I've done lots of projects actually and lockdown especially has 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 meant that I've done projects that I've sort of led as well um it started actually one of our big projects that I started with just with two women I just met I haven't actually physically met them actually I did meet Joe to be fair but I haven't physically met Kate and these are two women that I was introduced um with via email and we ended up doing a project called Conversations on Life and Death. Um, and like you, we, we, we saw the benefit of using Zoom. So we had hour long conversations with lots of different people uh, from all different walks of life about death, dying and living. And that was really, really interesting. We ended up doing, I think, probably about 30 conversations and um, I've still yet to, you know, we, we, we've edited those individual conversations into short three to six minute films, individual films, um, mm. but I've yet to, um, I think there's still a lot of scope in editing more of that uh, because some of the, um, some of the conversations that came out were amazing actually. And the interesting thing was that Although we set about the same questions, like about four or five key questions, it was quite loose and flexible, but we had five key questions that we had as a structure. Although we had that, 
every conversation was completely different, um, extremely different, which was really, really interesting. Um, so there were reoccurring themes, as in, you know, in um, what was going on, um, you know, nobody had the same sort of thing to say about death. Well, I suppose everybody's experience of it as well is different, isn't it? So unique. It's so unique, actually. Yeah, everyone. Well, we 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 had questions about you know um, what pe people think happens to them after they die and things like that. So everyone's got very different ideas about that. And some people um, actually, like me, don't really have an idea about that as well. You know. So um, so it was. It touched on beliefs, but I think it touched more on just like really personal view, personal worldviews, really. Um, and yeah, I think maybe some general themes that came out was more that we just need to really talk more about our mortality and our own. Um, I, I, I just feel that if we talk about our mortality, we can live a lot better because then we can appreciate life a bit more. And the fact that we're all living now here together, um, that in itself is quite amazing. And I think we lose track of that. We take that for granted because I think a lot of the time we're rushing and avoiding the issue of death and our own mortality actually so I think one of the biggest things that did come out was the fact that we really really do need to um to talk about death in a way that's not actually heavy and in a way that's a bit light and fun as well I mean you can you know it can be a fun subject actually um, and also, I, another theme that really came out was the fact that when we do talk about death, it's often when we're bereaved or when we're terminally ill or when we're, you know, um, worrying about our health. So it's often at times when um, it does feel heavy. So that's why, for me, I think it's really important that you talk about death when you don't need to, when it is, you know, just yeah. a subject. Because you know, it's that. Do, do you remember that? That I'm. I must have heard that phrase so many times in life. You know, there's three sure things: you're born, you pay taxes, and you die. <laughs> yes, and actually, that's quite heavy, isn't it? Yeah. All, all those things, apart from the born, maybe the taxes is heavy, and you die, and that's heavy. And um, and I think I think in some ways, death need not be heavy, really. Um, I, I, um, I spoke to, to one woman who has recently written a book called Absolutely Delicious Chronicles of Extraordinary Dying. And it's a memoir of her mum and dad's death. And they, her mum and dad really accepted the fact that they were going to die. And it's such an, a moving book because it's a book that that talks about her own feelings about her mom and dad's death, but also the way they approached it was so liberating that it made her as a daughter um, feel like she could join them on that journey. I mean, her dad actually chose to fast as a way of dying. He actually chose to fast so that he he chose when to die. Um, right. Um, well, I mean, and that, that seems like a strange concept in a way, doesn't it? It does, because uh, I think in our society, we're always trying to fight to live, aren't we? Um, and, yeah. and we're told that that's, you know, in a way, we're told that we, we, we should be trying to live as much as we can. 
um, and as long as we can, regardless of, of our situation. And I think maybe that's something that um, is important for us to sort of look at and discuss. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it is important. I mean, you and I know that there has been the death cafe, hasn't there? Even long before the pandemic started. How long ago was it, Sybil? Well, actually, I worked with the death cafe and I'm still working with them now. Um, and um, they've been around now for, I think, let me think, I think it's their 10th anniversary this year. Um, and I was really fortunate enough to to actually meet John Underwood, who's the co-founder of Death Cafe. It was him that thought of the idea. And sadly, he passed away in 2017. He passed oh. away, he died, he died three years, four years ago now. Um, and when I met him, we talk about death. Um, you know, in a way that was, like I said, quite light, really, in terms of our mortality. And um, he never knew he was going to die. He had a um, he he had a really rare form of undiagnosed leukemia, and it was like he died within two weeks of knowing that he was ill. Um, yeah, and so so it just it it makes it even more poignant. You know what he was saying, which was. You know, if you talk about death, you realize that you're alive and we just don't know how long we have left. So we should make the most of life now. And that's what he said. Um, and wasn't that true? Because little did he know he was going to die <laughs> like us. We're all going to die. Yeah, well, we all we are all going to die. And that that's very true. And I mean, we have been faced with death more than ever in the last year, haven't we? Even if it's, you know, not directly affected us, it's affected us as a nation because, you know, to watch, you know, suddenly we woke up on, was it March the 23rd? And we were starting to watch numbers every day of death tolls. Um, yeah, I think a lot of us has been struck by tragedy, and I think that's possibly one of the things we now have as a connection. I mean, I had, I've actually had six people die who have been very close to actually. Um, so, so I, I, you know, the last year has been a lot of deaths that I've experienced a lot of personal deaths for myself, which has been very challenging, but. At the same time, because from the age of 20, I always thought that death was a subject that I should think about when I'm, I'm healthy and don't need to. I think, I think it's actually really given me a good foundation to survive the last year where I have had very, you know, tragic deaths happening, you know, between six, you know, with six people that I dearly loved. Um, so, so, I'm really grateful that I, I did, you know, have this idea that I needed to talk about death before I needed, before, before I was faced with it. Now we're all faced with it, but um, I think. Hmm. No, I, I completely understand. And I know you, because we, we spoke previously and, you know, it, it, it has been a difficult time because you lost your mum, didn't you? And yeah, um, I lost mum my mum's um, death wasn't the hardest death if I'm honest actually um, because my mum was at the age where she was 88 so sometimes I think you can accept death when it's end of 
end of a person's life, I feel that you can accept that because that is the natural way. And although I miss my mum dearly, um, I accept that she's lived. She's lived a good life, actually, a hard life, but, a, but a, certainly a long one. And I can accept her death maybe a bit easier than some of the other deaths that I've encountered, which are more my peers, you know, people in my age group. Um, that they've been harder. They've been a lot harder. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I can see that because uh, and feel that because you know when it's a, like a natural progression of things, isn't it? I mean, obviously, I've lost both of my parents, and you know, I know it, it's although it's very sad, and you know, the grief kind of becomes part of you. And, you know, they have enriched your life by being on the planet and being who they were to you. But it's also the natural progression of things, isn't it? I mean, so it's a lot easier in a way. I'm not saying that death is easy. It's not by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a lot easier to get your head around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot easier, I think. Um, and I think also that if 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 you if you've had a relationship with your maybe like with my mom I I feel I have I've had a relationship where I've told her a lot of the things that we needed to talk about so I think maybe it's been easier to um accept her death um because of that as well I think I think when you have also when you have relationships that are very complicated and perhaps things that haven't been said um, are left, be, you know, before the person dies. Is that, did I say that right? Um, just, yeah, I just think that if, if you've got complicated relationships, I think that's always very difficult as well if, when someone dies. Yeah, unfinished business. It, it is, it is, it is that sort of thought of unfinished business as well. And goodness knows there must be lots of people out there who had unfinished business in the last year and you know they're, they're well, sad living with this so well you know I do say you know like we're both saying that um you know it's a, you can accept it more when someone is at an, an older age that they die but I think I think it's been very different for some people in the last year who even though their parents have been very old you know um, have not they've not been able to see their parents before they die because they haven't been allowed to um, so um, that must be really difficult even though that, that you know they, they can accept their parents are old enough to die you know the idea that they weren't able to say goodbye could be something that they left that leaves them feeling quite raw for a long time all of these films you can find anyway can't you on your site yeah, we've got a site called Magic Video Box and Flexible Films. So, um, so Flexible Films is my is our film company. Magic Video Box is the tool that we devised, which is a straight to camera tool that makes uh, people be able to look at the camera comfortably whilst they see the reflection of the interviewer. So um, the Magic Video Box allows you to talk and have a really natural conversation when you're being filmed. And so, I mean, people, I'm sure it's really helpful as well, though, isn't it, for people to now go have a look on, on Magic Box and, 
you know, watch those clips. Yeah, I think, yeah, we've had some good feedback actually about people because with us at the moment, there's probably about 22 films on the Magic Video Box website um, with all the different conversations. And people have actually said that um, it's been really helpful just to spend, I think it's just spending a bit of time on that subject and, you know, spending six minutes hearing other people talk about it. Because what's lovely, I think, with the subject of death is everyone has got very different opinions. So it's really nice to, to hear that, um, you know, people have got different things to say about it. And, you know, um, because we don't often talk about it ourselves, um, we don't actually know what our thoughts are about it often, because it's only when you talk about things that you allow yourself to understand what you think. One interesting question I've got to ask you about it, what were people's in general beliefs? Because it looks like, you know, when I've been working in news and media, you know, as a journalist, that people aren't as religious as they were anymore either. Yeah, I think um, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's what I, I mean, in the 30 conversations that we did have, most people weren't really that religious, actually. Um, but then who knows, that might be because um, maybe, you know, people who came forward were ones that didn't have those really big religious beliefs. Um, but yeah, the majority of people um, weren't sure, you know, what they believed. That's really strange in itself, isn't it? You know, yeah. that say 30 years ago, if you had done a project like that, people would have probably said, oh, well, you know, my Christian beliefs or, you know, my Jewish beliefs or my Muslim beliefs, you know, well, my belief in Islam, but it's, it seems increasingly so that people, you know, are moving away from religion almost. You can't say that for everybody, but... Oh, of course, yeah. And I think religion plays a big part, actually, in our world today, doesn't it, really? Um, um, so so I, don't know if, I, I don't know if we can say that for the majority necessarily, but certainly for the people that we spoke to, um, religion wasn't something that was uh, part of their beliefs. Yes. Certainly not mine. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it, it's weird. I mean, you know, for me, I, I was brought up in into a, a family where, you know, I was, um, well, they were Scottish Presbyterians, so it was like a, a Christian family. And, you know, I mean, I don't have any religion now. Yes. All right. Yeah, I was brought up as Catholic. Quite strict, actually. My parents were very strict Catholic. Um, so I had to go to church every Sunday and I went to Catholic school, secondary Catholic school as well. Um, but um, I, I found it quite oppressive, if I'm honest. I didn't, um, I mean, I like, I like to have some beliefs. I like to have some beliefs that um, we are connected. And um, I, I, I feel that I have more sort of spiritual beliefs, which are quite vague. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, quite like, I quite like that. I quite like being vague because um, I feel that we can't, we, our, our psyche, our brains can't, can't understand what happens to us after life. I think we can't have those answers. We just have to live life to the full now. And um, 
and live the best that we can. But I don't think personally we can understand what afterlife means because our brains don't function in that way. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we we can't really. It's um, it's one of those things. So, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's all very interesting, isn't it? Because it's another subject in yeah. itself. So interesting. That's what I mean. It's just so interesting. And it's really interesting to hear what other people think as well. Um, and just I mean, a lot of people believe in universal law as well, don't they? So, yeah. Um, so much you can believe you know it's like I mean in a way it's open it's completely open I think in some ways that's why I love the subject of death in a way because it's the most um sort of equal thing that we share like you know there was a little there's a quote actually we're, we're we're looking into developing resources for schools to do with um bereavement and loss and one of the quotes, it's not exact, but it's something like, um, uh, this is to year 10 children. So it's something like, um, um, one day, um, one day, you know, one day we will die. It, this is very sad, but this is something that we all share. And mm. I, 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 I thought that's really nice because although it's sad, it's, 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 it's the one thing we do share. Yeah, we do. And, uh, you know, but I mean, we what we share definitely is the human condition, isn't it? You know, we 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 share that. And um, you would think in this day and age that it would bridge the gap between equality and diversion and uh, diversity. Um, and, but, you know, in, in some cases still, that doesn't seem to be happening. I mean, no. But I think I, I worry, though, that um, that now we, we sort of, although although we concentrate on what, how different or, or we, we, I think sometimes we concentrate on uh, what divides us than what than what unites us myself, actually. Actually, going back to, you know, I was, you, were, you were talking about me doing inspiring women Um yeah. Um, that, that in itself has been a huge journey that has had lots of twists and turns since I've spoken to you, in fact, um, because um, basically for International Women's Day, I thought it'd be really nice to celebrate inspiring women. And we've filmed so many women that are amazing. So for one week, we, um, we posted two clips of uh, different inspiring women a day. And in the end, I think we probably, in the one week, we probably featured uh, probably about 15 women altogether um, from all walks of life, like lots of different types of women different ages and everything and um and then we thought why stop now we've got so many amazing people that we've got in our backlog of um you know what who we filmed so so we decided to do it another week so we ended up doing two weeks of of posting inspiring women and then we started thinking about it and we thought why stop at women actually why not um why not feature men as well? So, so we changed it to, um, to yeah, to inspiring women. Uh, no, sorry, to we changed it to celebrating inspiring people. Mm. But we've also, we've since had feedback, which is really interesting. Actually, um, some people have fed back 
that actually the word inspiring is quite alienating. I thought that was quite interesting. Some people said oh, like, on, do yeah. tell because inspiring yeah. is one of my favorite words actually. So go on. Mine too. Mine too. It's only that it's only yesterday this is this has been something that I um, I've really deeply considered. I love the word inspiring as well. But I also realized that a lot of people don't see themselves as inspiring. Uh, that's something that you label someone else. But I, I had some people come back to me and say, actually, it's quite intimidating in a way, because I know I can never be that inspiring person. Um, and of course, me, both me and you know that everyone can have the potential of being an inspiring person. But I think the word inspiring is a bit too um, hard to reach. Um, and and so it made me... Well, I, I understand what you're saying, actually. I mean, I think that this is also something that, you know, has probably come out of it during this pandemic. I mean, I've had lots of people say to me, oh, you know, you're inspiring. Or I've said to lots of people, oh, you're inspiring really i mean what it's kind of the power of the word isn't it and it it's what does yeah. it actually mean what does it actually mean well there's inspire and aspire isn't there inspire is to um um is to mean that you you give people hope and you you know you you so so people want to be like you in a way i think um but yeah and i do i i yeah i I, I do like the word, but I'm reevaluating it completely now. Now that I've had that feedback, I don't think it's an inclusive word. I think it's a word that some people feel they can never be because it's too up there. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, mm, in that case, that's not for me. I've dropped it now. It's, it's just celebrating people. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a really good way of, of yeah because you know we all need to be celebrated don't we we really really do and you yeah, know and we don't have to say why we're celebrating people in a way because they're inspiring sometimes means that you're better than others in a way maybe as well so so just celebrating people I feel more comfortable with that I like that that did actually occur to me you know because during this sort of pandemic I I have been keeping a diary and as I said I've I've had a few comments, oh, you're so inspiring. And I've, I've said to other people, oh, you're really inspiring or, you know, be inspirational and, and all this type of thing. And then I just started to think, well, this, is this a sort of like an egotistical thing? Yeah, it, you're right. Yeah, I'm really glad. It's nice. It's a great conversation to have, especially now for me, because this is this is only it's only yesterday that I've really questioned the word. Um, yeah maybe is bantered about because um because we we sort of like want to look up to people or people look up to us i feel i feel especially you know with now i think now we have um you know people have a lot of pressure to be that inspiring amazing yeah to be amazing because the, the whole world word inspiring goes with amazing and I think that whole kind of pressure is is ridiculous because it's not it's not real and it's not tangible you can't be amazing all the time 
can't i'm not going to say that you can't have amazing moments exactly that's different that's moments isn't it whereas yeah. inspiring um is a label that you're putting on that person whereas moments inspiring moments is about the moments um so so yeah i think i think sometimes we put too much pressure on people to be incredible and like and if they're not then then you know you know if 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 they're they're not that amazing then they should be or why aren't they but and, you know i thought i see this very much as sort of like the uh inspiration culture as well because you know like you i've spent a lot of my time during um the second half of the pandemic you know as you know i was working in a tv studio before but I've spent the, spent the rest of my time at home talking to people over the net, been invited to conferences. And if I've heard the word inspiring and inspiration and amazing once, I've heard it goodness knows how many times. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. And it is great. But I really, really feel that, you know, we've kind of developed this sort of inspirational culture that doesn't really exist because it's not really allowing people to have authentic conversations is it yeah i agree completely yeah um it almost it, it might actually stop conversations um which is you know when it's not good when that happens yeah um, i you know i think um well, because before we, we, you know, we we had this whole campaign sort of set out so that we had a hashtag, hashtag Inspiring Wednesday. So every Wednesday we put out a post, which I still love the idea. But um, now it's going to be hashtag Celebratory Wednesday, or no, was it no Celebrating Wednesday? So we just celebrate people um, rather than label them as anything. Um, and I feel more comfortable with that. Um, but but all that actually made me really think also about um i mean i love thinking and talking about mental health um and um i think i personally think for me the best thing that helped me with my mental health was having a structure um and so that's why i, I was thinking of days of the week being things that you you have as a, a link um, in yeah. a way, you know, like I said, death is something that unifies us. The days of the week unify us as well. So that's why I was thinking of hashtag something Wednesday, hashtag something Tuesday, so that we could all be contributing on a hashtag a particular day of the week. Because I just think that time is the thing that we have in common, just like death. So days of the week is something that unifies us as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. I think, you know, it, it, it's about putting it on um, sort of layman's terms, as it were, sort of a very grounded approach, which I like, which I really like. As I said, you know, I've spent far too many um, time on conferences um, during, you know, the, the, the last part of lockdown in the last few months. And these words bandied about. And do you know what? I think they're very much used as a sales tool it does sound quite um, high pitched, doesn't it? And quite um, elevated. Yeah, <laughs> so. elevated. Um, and I was beginning to think the same thing myself, funnily enough. So it's strange that we've kind of reached that point. 
Um, although, you know, I, I, I was on a conference myself for International Women's Day and I was invited on to um, a lovely group where were holding it, a women's group in Reading and they invited me on to, to be a speaker. And I did say, you know, be inspired and all this type of thing. I mean, I wasn't selling anything to them. <laughs> You being, you were being real, weren't you? Because you felt quite exhilarated by the fact that there were so many people. And they were the words that came out because you felt quite enlightened. Um, and, and I think maybe that's slightly different to, you know, when I listen to people, when they tell me, actually, that word doesn't fit me and it, it's nowhere near how I feel about myself. So the more I hear about inspiring people or you know inspiring women the more I feel that I am not and and it creates a divide it does kind of create a divide I, I didn't think about that actually our company motto is educate inspire and entertain but <laughs> I should change that necessarily no but yeah I I know what you mean I mean it it, it was you know on, on the basis of you know sort of making people think more really um not on the labeling people as these inspiring and then they become objects don't they idols that's what idols are aren't they idols are are people that you can never be madonna uh, you know both the pop singer and the um, religious icon you know is unattainable um and and as humans we i i personally feel that that's the last thing we should try to be idols yeah right yeah. it's about ego it's about you know you know um i think i personally think one of the things that i'd like to work on is actually you know my ego and trying to have less of it because i think it's more healthy to have less of an ego i think that's really interesting as well because you know i mean obviously i've i've worked in tv i used to be a presenter on tv you know regional tv so um I think you do when you're doing that every day you know I mean in my case I was just basically reading the news but it it then becomes you become this persona that actually you're not yes um, well see you don't they and they project onto you and you know you're reading such um you're 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 reading informative and intelligent words aren't you so you know they see you as someone who's intelligent who's you know together um, yeah and somebody who does tv and i i think you know the the thing is is that it doesn't matter how you come across you're still this person that has to deal with every mental health issue because we've all got them you know we have to some varying degrees you know we we feel you know one of my <laughs> my problems is every time of the, the certain time of the month i certainly feel really quite low you know, so, I mean, and it, it's, um, you know, nobody looking at me on TV would think that would even occur. No, no. Um, yeah, and I think, I think more recently, I think it's really good that, that, that people are starting to talk about that, especially, I think, men. I think men never, you know, I think I've seen a shift, haven't you, in, like, the last... 10, 15 years with men, especially where they've got more of a language, they've got the, um, you know, they've got the, um, 
I would say the courage to speak out um, and and actually that's only recently that that started happening I did a, we did a project about mental health with um, travelers and we had a lot of men talk well we didn't have a lot of men talk to us we had we had more women talk to us but some men did talk to us as well and um, in that community it's so hard for them to actually admit that they they can have feelings of anxiety of depression of paranoia all those hard things challenging things um, but I think I think more people are starting to say, you know, I'm not okay. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I think I think if you I just think if you do say that, once you become aware that you're not okay, then you can maybe do something that can help you to you know on that journey to being better feel better feel more alive feel more like you you your life is worth living because because sadly um i don't know if you know the um suicide is actually one of the highest factor of male deaths under yeah 30. yeah yeah and it's under 45 it's under 45 it's the biggest killer under 45 that's unacceptable actually really mm. that, that that the the biggest killer is us killing ourselves yeah that, it, it, it is and you know it it kind of you can see you know we, we've kind of like moved a, along a theme here and i think you know society kind of um dictates that we're these all achieving all amazing egotistical people and I think that's where men struggle possibly more than we do because we can sort of identify with other things um, and we weren't put up there in society as were we as great achievers women either so you know yeah. and I think yeah you can see it can't you yeah I can see that yeah I can see that and I think with men I think um, they they found that they they can't talk to other men about it, their peers as well. Um, but like I say, I'm hoping that's changing. Um, I'd like you know to help that change as well. That's why it's, that's why it's so sad that time to change is actually finishing. I don't know if you know about Ruby Wax's frazzled calf. I think that's a great idea. Do you know about that? That's a bit like oh, death. Topic, similar structure. I think they probably got the idea from Death Calf, really. Um, but basically, they um, it's called Frazzled Calf, and Ruby Wax is a big ambassador for Time to Change, and she's the one who started it up. Um, and every day, I think there are two Frazzled Calfs that you can sign up to online. At the moment, it's online, but I think you could, you know, once we lockdown eases, it'd be more in a normal calf. But um, I think it's up to 12 people. And, you know, you just, you, you know, you talk to strangers, I suppose, people you don't know about how you're feeling. And I think that's that's great. You know, I think that is good because I think, you know, it's true. I mean, I, I've covered quite a bit of mental health to do with being, you know, in news and journalism. I mean, also, you know, I have somebody in the family who suffers a lot from mental health anxiety and depression not not going to say who it is on yeah mm. 
anyway um but yeah i mean i i think that there's something invaluable isn't that isn't there about talking to somebody you don't really know um, love, yeah yeah and and because i mean that's what counseling i suppose is good for really isn't it it's someone who who's not going to necessarily judge you or also feel the pain that you're feeling because they're your brother or your sister and they don't want to see you in you know that pain or that you're you know you don't want to be honest with them so you know you can maybe sometimes be more honest with strangers because they are they're not going to react to it as family or friends would no and also i think you know when you're going through mental health issues or you know you're having a bad time mentally it's you know what what happens is you end up projecting you don't mean to you end up projecting your situation onto them and then you know that that doesn't really sort of help in the dynamic of things does it Do you see what i mean yeah 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 projection is huge isn't it really did you know it was bipolar day yesterday i didn't know that i saw it on twitter i never oh, knew wow. i never knew there was such a thing as bipolar day really no. but i think maybe it's quite new i don't know I think um, it um, is a lot more recognised, isn't it? Which I think, again, is another brilliant thing because, you know, we've all got, as I said, varying to go. What? I mean, the thing is, is we all have mental health. We all have it. We all have it. I mean, I, I, um, I, I was in psychiatric hospital when I was younger twice for three months, mm. both um, separate occasions I was there for three months. So I was there for six months in all um which is quite a big deal actually and you when you were in your 20s um and and actually the stigma was really huge then uh, and i think now if if you know i i now i can say i mean i was diagnosed with manic depression which has turned into bipolar but now i can say i was diagnosed with manic depression in my 20s but but actually, I, I feel that I can't as easily say I was in psychiatric hospital for six months of my life. I feel there's still a stigma about that because um, it's all, you know, it's OK in a way to say that you have mental health, but it's harder to say that you broke down so much that you needed really needed help. I, I don't think that there should be. I mean, I, I think it, it's ridiculous. I mean, I think the thing is, is that we know a lot more than we ever did. And I think the situation is ridiculous as we've discovered, you know, realised that we have just as much mental health issues can go wrong as we can with physical health issues. I mean, yeah. you know, we're human beings. It, 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 yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm getting very passionate about that because... We are human and that is that is what mental health is isn't it yeah, absolutely and i think you know i mean i've had days situations where you know i've completely thought i'm going crackers you know yeah. and it's it's not anything to be you know i've said to people around me or you know i, I mean i've had counseling in my life before when um my husband left me you know five years ago because i almost lost my identity you know and it was very stressful and it really is 
you what is going to affect you you know because we're alive we're ticking and it must have been really helpful to be able to talk to someone that you know was outside of your friends and family that you could talk about you know in terms of how that was making you feel to lose your identity so it so it's good you went to counseling isn't it i mean i i i'd, I'd be as bold as to say um that you know, if it hadn't been for being psychotic, which I was very severely psychotic, I was completely crazy mad, really. I value that time. I actually really think it's helped me as an individual grow. And um, I, I see that very much as part of me. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually grateful for the time that I did have. I met some amazing people in psychiatric hospital as well. And then some of them are still friends. And that period of time, was like traveling for me. I mean, I wouldn't recommend people being psychotic necessarily, but I would say that I am grateful for the experiences that I have had because it's made me the person that I am today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, you know, that that that's invaluable, isn't it, really? And mm. um, it, it kind of enriches your life in a way. It does, you know, yeah. and by accepting that I think, you know, yes, I, I think we need to all stop calling people inspiration. Oh, <laughs> it's, nice, it's nice that you, um, you know, because when we started this conversation, um, you, 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 you know, you, you hadn't really thought of that, had you, the inspirational being as something that could be alienating. Mm. Um, nice that you've, you've considered that. Because for me, it's only since yesterday I've considered it as well. It's quite a new thought for me. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I think also, um, I'm fascinated by mental health. I am. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I think, you know, because I interview yeah. people and get to like you get to hear people's stories yeah. um you know there, there's a story behind any any of it so therefore it involves mental health and yeah. I think also this lockdown has you're right given us all a great amount of stuff to think about mm. and and the one thing that it has given us to think about is how am I reacting to other people yes yeah you know, uh, those sort of questions. How am I reacting? How am I coming across? What, you know, because, you know, so, some days communication hasn't been smooth sailing. Yeah, yeah. For anybody doing mm. anything, you know, it's not been smooth sailing. It's been hit and miss. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, I've also thought about that as well, the whole egotistical thing. It's like, you know, we, we all have to be this all singing and dancing, sparkly versions <laughs> of ourselves. Yeah. And actually, this year, how can you say that you are? Because, you know, it, it, it's been a year where we haven't been able to socialise with people properly. We haven't been able to hug people we really love. Um, all those things, those simple, simple things about life. So I think, you know, it, it has been an invaluable learning lesson, hasn't it? So anyway, Sybil, I mean, we could talk for hours. I know oh, we could. Great. 
And it's lovely because I, I love I love to talk, as you know, and I just think, you know, you've got lots of valuable comments to bring up through what you do with your film business. Um, what's your next project? Our next project? Um, well, that's a good question. I still want to continue with the conversations on life and death project because I feel that there's loads to be done there. In fact, actually, we're, we've got uh, with um with joe and victoria we're doing something called lifting the lid which is uh uh um an online hopefully it will be some non-online event because it will be in november but that's that's a festival about death and dying so that's quite an interesting thing that we're doing um um, I want to continue the um, mental health side of things and uh, hopefully start continue with hashtag Wednesdays, Thursdays and Tuesdays and, um, you know, try and get people involved in that so that we're all talking. Um, and yeah, just continue. I, I've got I've still got quite a few commissioned work with with different organisations, and I love doing those too. So. Yeah, well, long you may continue with those because you, you, know, you certainly um, shed some light on some interesting discussions as well, which I think you know. I mean, this discussion we've had today on the tea time sofa has been brilliant. It really has. It's it's given us a lot of food for thought. So. Well, uh, contribute and yeah it's a it's something that has got a lot of longevity because we've got loads to learn and I, I'm nowhere near learning any of it yet so yeah anyway thank you and hopefully catch up again with you soon thank you Ali it's been lovely to be here look forward to chatting with my next guest on the tea time sofa this time next Saturday in the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on teatime at forthenow.co.uk or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram on Teatime with AM. Bye for now. <laughs>